Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the podcast, Working Drummer. Today, I talked to Jamie Rogan. Jamie is a passionate drummer that for the last 10 years has been working for country singer Billy Currington. But Jamie is so much more than that. As a consummate student himself and dedicated private teacher, Jamie continues to grow as a player and make a name for himself in the music industry. To find out more about this podcast and others, go to workingdrummer.net. Find us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Here is Jamie Rogan. Well, man, the podcast has been great, really, and it's awesome. Oh, I haven't man. heard every one of them, but a lot of them, and they're just really informative and just... Uh, every single one's been different. And hey, yeah. do this real quick. Yeah, Put this good? on, because we're... I kind of like... I just start hitting record, and we just start yakking, 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 and which we're kind of doing. I noticed you added some if you need to, or you cut like a... I, I do. Can you... Halftime shuffle break. It is, man. Yeah, you, you like that? I love it. <laughs> yeah, is that you? me actually i love it yeah, yeah um, it feels awesome actually we were scrambling to put some music and set that out however you want okay, the, the cool thing about the the headphones is you can hear and this is a new thing the close mic thing okay. we were using this before but i think this is this is making it clear so people can listen in their cars and not have to have the headphones on and you just got a ball of this and and doing when not, you and this was this is this is what i use I just kind of put this together the last couple weeks because I've done because I'm only home for a short time and and sure. that being said, thank you for coming oh, here. I appreciate that because this oh, yeah. is Mike's. This is my buddy Collins, the guitar player I work with. This is his mics. This is you know it's like just a mix mash of stuff to kind of experiment to see what how we can do this ticket to the next step oh, and, sure. and yeah. invest into what I what I need to. Um, well, this but, is awesome, and I'm out in Mount Juliet, so that would have been a drive for you. So don't. And I've, oh, got, so uh, I've got stuff to do in town, so this good, 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 so good. So this good. worked out great. But I've driven places before, and I'm just like, can and the the, the three before were all like, we're we're coming to your place, and Ed yeah. Toth lives in, <clears throat> he lives down in. Uh, can't remember the, the villages of or whatever. Just like you know, no, five minutes, down, just down yeah, like five minutes yeah. away, and so. But anyways, um, yeah, that's a great area down there. It was my my point was, but um, no, you hear I hear that. Uh, it, oh, the 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 different podcasts. Every single one has been um, it's been really fun because you hear somebody say something, <clears throat> and you're like, "This is this is what you should do." Okay, cool. And then the next person, don't ever do that. (laughs) And I love it. I love every single minute. I love it when, because at the end of the day, they're coming from two great players. Valid viewpoints. Oh, right. I know. They they don't cancel each other out. No, not at all. One thing works for one guy, one works for Not at all. And some of them have relatively very similar... I mean, two, I I, I have in mind, I'm thinking, you guys are doing like really similar kinds of gigs, but I really admire your, your... your your playing and your your skill set you know and and all that stuff and so it's right. it's really i just feel like every interview just adds to the mix more and more to kind of for everyone to kind of develop their own opinion about how to approach what we do yeah you know? it's because i don't know that 
there is a formula, but there is like, we all have a path and we all yeah. look back and that's our road and it may be twisted and crazy, but that's right. how you got here. That's how I got here. That's how right. Right. anybody got, you know, or whatever. So, um, well, and, and it, this is, I mean, I, I talked to, uh, Fred Eltringham yesterday and he's mm. like, Oh, well, man, it's just, I, I don't know if, if anything I have to say is interesting, it's, it's probably boring. And I'm like, no, you have a path and you have something about your story that has led you to what you're doing right? and you're doing these really great things. And so it doesn't matter what it is. It's not, you know, it, there is no formula. And I think that's at the end of the day, that's, yeah. that's, otherwise people are going to say, well, if I just follow step one, two and three, then I'll, if it was that easy. Everybody <laughs> would do it. Yeah, you know. It's yeah. not the case. Uh, um, you're right. Exactly. It's a, uh, all right, so um, Jamie's going to be talking at regular speed because he's not having coffee, and I'm just going to be talking at whatever speed I can muster up with coffee <laughs> and water. I'll try to keep up. Uh, <laughs> it's it's uh, purified water, so. It is. It is. Um, purified Nashville water, so I don't know what that means. Right. Um, so uh, those who don't know, um, your main gig for how many years has been Billy Carrington, right? Now it's been, um, I think it's been 10 years. Wow. It's been a, an awesome 10 years and it's uh, partly it's flown by and then partly it's, you know, it's just taken its time, you know, but mm-hmm. it's been an awesome situation. And, uh, I guess it was around 2005. I moved here in 2000 and, uh, like at the turn at Y2K, the turn mm-hmm. of the center, that's when I chose to, you know, to, to come to Nashville and, and, uh, but got the Billy Carrington gig in 2005 and, and still with him. And we, uh, we're actually off this weekend, but then we're about to get real busy. We've probably done six, seven shows this year thus far. So just getting into it a little bit and then we got a a great year ahead of us. But right. And it's, uh, what is the date today? It is, uh, April 7th. 7th. Yeah. Tomorrow is my son's birthday. So I should know that. Happy early birthday. That's right. (laughs) That's a good day. That's a big day here. Yeah. Well, I remember it fondly. Ten years ago, I went to see Steve Gadd, his at, clinic. At Lipscomb? At Lipscomb I University. I was there. Yeah. That's right. It was awesome. Yeah, right and, down the street uh, from where you were working at Forks there, right? I, was, I wasn't at the time. Oh, were you not? I don't okay. think I was working there anymore. Okay. Um, and then... Um, and then my son was born after that. But man, that was a... Glo- no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, it was, right, a, yeah. <laughs> it was a pretty amazing <laughs> night. Um, yeah. So ten years. So at the end of this year, um, you get the ten year pin and a lime green tour jacket. Yeah, and it says congratulations, Jamie, for uh, yeah. sticking it out. For I'm so waiting long. to see if we get a new car. I don't know how that's going to work <laughs> or whatever. Uh, you know, no, it's a, uh, it's it's awesome. And working for Billy is uh, really just a great pleasure. And it's um, he's a great dude. And and I've seen evolution of the band over the years and yeah. and crew and such things and it's just uh it's just amazing i feel like we're really we're in a great place this year and billy's in a great place which puts of course you know all the band guys in a great place um and uh, i feel like we've really just found the right guys to be in the band the camaraderie is just uh, to me it's unparalleled i just feel like it's home out there on the bus. We all get along. We're not all the same people, of course, but we just, everybody is gracious. Everybody's good to each other. We look out for each other. We're mm-hmm. definitely a family. And I know many camps are like that, but I know that many camps are not like that. Right. And, and mm-hmm. to me, that's a, a huge deal. And and if I'm going to be gone a lot of the year on the road on a bus in a tin can with some guys, I want to be 
I want to like the guys, you know, right. I want to enjoy what I'm doing. And, and, and I really do. I love these guys. And, um, and they're going to be listening to this. Is that why you're saying that? Uh, so. Yeah, that's why I had to say that all that, you know, I to, <laughs> they know how I really feel about them, but, uh, but no, no, they are really great. So it's, uh, I hope they will listen to this. So, uh, but yeah. it's, and, and, and if I haven't said this uh, actually on the recording, man, thank you so much, Matt. And oh, this yeah, is a man. great opportunity. And just to be in the company of all the great guys, I appreciate what you're doing. Hey, and, and, and it's, it's every amazing. person I've approached literally 100% has agreed to do this. Wow. And yeah. so I, I mean, it's, it's not pulling teeth at all. And so it's been, I mean, I am super thankful that everybody's been excited to do it. And it, it just kind of goes, uh, it just proves the, the, the camaraderie that, that happens between drummers of, of all, you know, different personalities and all different types. You know, everyone's been really gracious. To, to me, drummers are, are, of course, we're, you know, drummers are different. They want to, I think drummers want to share. We, I love, we love clinics. We love to go mm-hmm. hear drummers play and talk and just mm-hmm. talk shop and gear and life yeah. and everything and yeah. to me that's a i mean there's a drummer lunch for goodness sake you know here yeah, i mean yeah, yeah. is there a clarinet player lunch i'm not sure but uh but it's it's only twice a year it's, yeah yeah and and, and uh yeah i'm sure all three <laughs> attendees are just it's, it's awesome but uh, no i mean you know clarinet players are awesome too but uh but it just seems like Drummers have a certain camaraderie that's, uh, and particularly Nashville. I don't know if that's unique to Nashville. I think it's drummers in general, but like I, worldwide. I think, it, I think it is. I mean, you you, you see the the the, uh, the people get together and you know in LA and they're doing something, or like even in Columbus where I'm from, um, there was. Is that Georgia or Ohio? Uh, Ohio. Oh, okay. I yeah. heard you say that on another podcast, and I was like, wait. I don't know if he's yeah, from Georgia. Right. I was born in Columbus, Georgia, but you're Ohio. Okay. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. Columbus. Yeah. All right, two Columbus. Yeah. That's good. You yeah. can tell. It's a good that. town. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sister town. Um, no, I think it's true across the board. I think it really is. Um, I actually, I'm a member of a group uh, on Facebook called Drummers of Ohio. You know, oh, really? I mean, I know it's easy to make groups on on Facebook pretty quick, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, we're there's there's a good community in general. I think that. Uh, Nashville is just one of those music towns where it is. There's just a, a a large community, a saturated community of, uh, well, I would say saturated, but I mean, it, there is a large community of musicians in general. So you're going to have that. You know, Tons drummers. of drummers, and and it seems like uh, I don't know that it's like. Um I always wondered if it was going to be like cutthroat or just r- competitive to the point of. Um, maybe not fun or something or you know it's like okay i can't be friends with other drummers because we're in competition but it's totally not that way it's no, totally no. these are buddies and we encourage each other and i'm happy when a buddy gets a gig and yeah. even if he were to get it over me that that yeah. would be great you know because right. it's helping the community it's helping a drummer out and and eventually you'll get yours or i'll get mine or whatever right you know, it's, and, and that uh, sort of thing keo talks about that when uh a bunch of uh drummers were auditioning for uh, Kelly Clarkson and and they all knew each other and they were kind of rooting each other on and 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 congratulating the person that got it and that's I remember hearing that, that and it was amazing yeah that just said volumes about the drummers in this town and, and just right. how it is I mean that's that's what it's like you know? there's some outliers you know who you are no uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no I appreciate that and there is I mean you, you can't deny the fact that there is competition and there is that, um, and that's just inevitable. But I think we're all fighting the same fight uh, 
for lack of a better way to put that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it is competitive because I want to do my best. You want to do your best. Every drummer, yeah. of course, we prepare and want to show yeah. up and do our best. But in the end, you know, um, I would not want to have any ill will towards another drummer because that just negativity is going to yeah. that just feeds on itself and, and grows. Right, so right. to me, being positive or having a positive attitude about, uh, you know, even if you don't get the audition, you met somebody on the audition. Yeah. You may have traded a number. Somebody took notice of you, hopefully, or if you prepared properly and showed up and killed it like you should, and maybe the other guy just killed it a little more or something, but, or yeah. they, he wore the green shirt and they really like a green shirt, you know, or something. Right, but right, You right. don't know, or he had spiky hair. And There's you, so you many don't. reasons, right. There's so many reasons why. And, and yeah. at the same time, um, there's there's players that I've talked to that have marked success. I mean, that you can see they've got they've got just a, a long list of things that they've uh, either cover of Modern Drummer or this and that. But they still have struggle. They still have the same fight that they've had to do. Um, uh, Sweet. One of the things that we've always done is we've always started at the beginning and we say, hey, what's going on with you? And then we back up and, and then find out what's going on. But I kind of want to shake things up because I, f I feel like I'm kind of getting into a, a formula and I, I'm, I want to kind of shake things up a little bit. I want to talk more about the last 10 years and yeah. what the Billy gig has been like. Um, um, it, where has... I mean, you, the band has changed, um, the gig has changed, um, as careers do, they ebb and flow. He, I know he, at, at times he's going to be on the top of the charts and at other times he's not. Is he with the same label he's been with? He's with the same label. That's, uh, it's universal Mercury Nashville okay. and, and, uh, he's with same management. And when I came on the band, he was with, um, uh, uh, John Dennis and had still his manager today, which, which that's good too. I like to, uh, to see that, you know, mm -hmm. there's a definite commitment there that's been there for the whole career. And, uh, and that's, and that's still the case today. And, uh, so management's great. I feel real confident in, in that. And just, uh, like I say, Billy's a real great guy to work for. He lets us be ourselves. He wants you to bring what you have to the table. He's always, of course we would, you know, we wouldn't be out there without him, but he, he, re yeah. he recognizes and tells us, you know, you guys, this is your career also, you know, this is all of your career. This is, this is what we do for life, you know, and he, he doesn't try to be separate. He wants, we're friends. And I mean, you know, yeah. he, he wants to, if there's a new guy in the, uh, a new crew guy, he wants to know him. How, what's your family like? You know, he wants to, a little background on that person to get to know that person. Oh, wow. Just that's important, you know, that, and it all speaks to the, the family atmosphere and the the camaraderie that we want to develop it, it I think it translates every, on stage it translates on stage you feel audiences feel yep. what's coming off the stage if yep. there's like coldness they can feel that and yep. if there's or if there's things uh, you know or if your artist is having trouble with their ears or something they notice like uncomfortableness or, or various mm -hmm. things like that or um, or dynamics so I think if you're real comfortable with the guys off stage and we we you know, living together, you work out together, eating meals together. I mean, mm -hmm. even on a day off, we go, we get off the bus and I know like who, who observed this a week or two ago. It's like, you guys all got off the bus after an 18 hour drive and you're all hanging out together and eating together in the same Still restaurant. And like, <laughs> we're like, well, we like each other, you know, we're not <laughs> tired of each other. And, right. and it, it, it's amazing. So we, um, and everybody has their times and you got to get alone and, you yeah, know, or you right, need right. to, Right, have, right. have time for your family go call call your wife and all that such things so 
Uh, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a great thing, man. And, and I look forward to every day on the road. This is, like I say, this year we have, uh, we're out with Tim McGraw. So that's going to be okay. a huge thing. We're direct mm-hmm. support for him. And I think, um, oh, Chase Bryan is going to be the opener and it's going to be, it's just going to be real exciting. So the thing we're doing for, in preparation for that is working out and trying to, cause Tim's going to probably kill us if we have to work out with tim mcgraw oh literally work out i mean work out yeah like that guy is cut and and he what does he do crossfit or something yeah. i don't know he's yeah he's I a, heard that, yeah i heard all the band is and the whole band is involved or at least that's what i read i think and they're all in good shape and we're feeling like he was part. on the cover of men's health magazine yeah you don't that's not a gimme you don't just get that yeah i no, mean he, he's yeah. earned that and he's um and look at the guy, man. He he looks great. He, I'm sure he feels great. So now, now when I saw you two years ago, um, I was playing at the Montana State Fair, and we opened up for you guys. That's right. Yeah. And um, we, after a sound check, we went around back and um, our backstage, and you guys just came in off of playing soccer all day long. Or yeah, that's right. Outside. I mean, yeah, just whooped, man. It just looked like it's like. Oh, Jamie! Hey, it's it's the band. I didn't even recognize you guys. Man. I know, you know we're like shorts and sweaty t-shirts, and just like man, you're making good use of your time out here. That was our phase. For, I think for two years we did soccer, and I grew up like, if you like, I know on a couple like my Twitter site, I say I'm a drummer and I love soccer. And like basically, growing up, my two loves were drums and soccer, and uh, you know I didn't. As a youngster, I didn't know really at that point which you know which what I was going to choose or whatever or which one would make. So you money considered to, like soccer could have been a career choice uh, for a moment, and then and then as high school went by, I really you thought you need something more secure. So music, music, yeah, you know how stable music, <laughs> the, the music industry is, and yeah, and and like uh, and it really in the end, I probably was not ever going to be quite the caliber of soccer player needed to be to to make any money so i still play at the y like i'll play i played two weeks ago i have a, a torn quad and it's i'm getting over it so you know soccer doesn't pay so uh, my parents tell me that often and, and i don't <laughs> tell them about my soccer injuries anymore because yeah. uh it doesn't help you know it's like um uh, they would encourage me to quit but but to me that's just another outlet in life i don't i want to have things that oh yeah get in my you know i and to me like that's a for like i said for two years we did that as a band and, and seriously everybody in the band and the crew and and billy and we were all out there and uh, And were other people as like gung-ho for soccer as you were or did just everybody just kind of join in well i think it it started off like like before we started doing it as a group i carried a soccer ball out because i would if i was home off the road i would play on a team at the y or something Mm -hmm. or play pickup games if i could and and so uh I would carry a soccer ball out and by myself, I'd pull it out in the middle of the day or something and just kick it against a wall. Mm-hmm. And then our merch guy at the time, he was, he was a big basketball player and just an athletic uh, athletics lover in general. And so he started kind of saying, Hey man, I'll kick with you. You know, mm-hmm. we, so we started kicking around. So there was two of us and then it grew to like a third. And then we started, um, and then it just, I don't I'm not sure the first time we actually played a soccer game, but then it became where our tour manager would scope out, the soccer field for the day and like we played awesome. uh in south dakota we played a college girls team we scrimmaged a college women's soccer team and mm-hmm. uh, we tied one-to-one i think it was a tie yeah, we, nice we lost to a u14 team though <laughs> uh under 14 oh, yeah. You lost. yeah we did in pennsylvania one day i don't know how it was our keeper he was our uh, monitor guy he's yeah He's gone now, but yeah, he, he, he got, was... He got fired. He got, cut. He no. got fired after that. <laughs> yeah, that, that was game. his last day. Uh, 
<laughs> that one goal, man, she was good, but uh, really, yeah, it was a fluke. But um, no, nah, it, it was a beautiful day in Pennsylvania. We just happened to we we offered to scrimmage these girls, and they were actually a really good team. But uh, and we were sort of young then; we were new. But uh, but it, it turned into just a fun thing, and now. We don't do it so much anymore. It's kind of, uh, we've had some turnover and, and now we're in a new phase and, uh, we run, we go out and run. So like, uh, our bass player, Kyle Whalem is an ultra runner. So he'll go out and do like 50, n- not all the time, but I remember we were in Lake Tahoe about, I guess about a year, year and a half ago, we had a day off and, uh, I think he left at noon came back i'll see you at 10 the tonight you know he literally had a vest on with a couple of bottles of water and he i don't know if he did i don't know how many he did but he seriously ran for like eight hours and oh and my so gosh. I, i'm never gonna do that but i i'll run i think four is the most i've ever run i don't really love running but like four hours no no four miles oh, okay okay <laughs> like tw- like uh however long that takes uh you know, well, probably an hour. is what 3.2 miles 2. something 3. like 1, that 3. i've done 2. that a couple times and 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 you like that all right I d- it's the right amount of length. It's uh, that that just seems like the, the right amount of time just to to be going. Uh, it's uh, well, as I heard something the other day about running being like a form of meditation, and it 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 really can be. But it's it's so hard on your joints. Yeah. And um, but I I love the benefits of of exercise, and but you have to find what works best for you. Yeah. You know, and if running is the thing, then yeah, you should do it. You should just make sure that you take care of yourself. And and there's a lot to it. Yeah, I think there's a lot of because a lot of people maybe skip over the nutrition part or skip over the stretching or skip over some aspect of the right. health. In As general. you get older, you can't do that. You can't skip over the stretching. And and, uh, and I know sometimes you can. Uh, there's people that balance. Uh, I know R- Ricky Gervais. Ricky Gervais, the comedian, was talking about. Well, like you know, I like to work out because I like to drink wine. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm going to drink wine and I'm going to have, uh, you know, bad food from time to time, I'm going to... I can I'm, rationalize that I can by rationalize balancing it out with a... Yeah, yeah. I guess it's better than doing nothing and, and eating bad all the time. But. Yeah, and, and too, I guess, uh, depending on how much wine you drink, I guess um, um, for some reason wine gives me headaches, but um, otherwise I'd probably drink it. But, uh, you know, you hear doctors say everything in moderation. So I feel like uh, if, you know, exercise, I do feel is great. I, I don't love running. So I think you're right. The 5k is about perfect. If I'm yeah. ever going to run about three is about perfect for me, you know? Sure, and, sure. And, and then I've never really hit that runner's high or the meditation thing. It, for some reason, it's always like, unless I'm playing a game or a sport yeah. in that case, I do love the running, but I do love the benefits. But for some reason, I don't, I don't love running and I'll do it and I do it. Um, but, but the soccer, healthy. but the soccer, it has endurance, uh, oh, aspects yeah. to it. And so, and it's what you like to do. And so that's an, I think I would so do that for hours. That's an yeah. important point. I think a lot of times people say, well, I don't like to work out. I don't like to do this. All you have to do is find something that you enjoy doing. And if it's on the elliptical machine or if it's soccer or if it's whatever, man, that's good. You know, and uh, it doing something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Doing something. I, th- I think it's uh, is important. Well, I mean, and we need to stay healthy as drummers. I mean, we we're active and, and most uh, most drummers and musicians I know, especially as they as we get a little older, are tr- you know, we want to stay because yeah. you got a new younger crop that's younger and hipper and fresher. And so we want to stay looking good and stay uh, right, right, stay right, relevant right. and, and then, stay in the game. Yeah, and stay, right. You know, so um, we definitely want as much as we don't like to think so. Sometimes image is a part of music. 
Yeah. Or it's part of the stage show. It's part of performance. I guess it, yeah. you know, it's maybe not yeah. the part right. of the music, but right. uh, and luckily we can package. we can hide, you know, more so than other players. <laughs> yeah, set our symbols strategically uh, as we need to. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah. I, um, so uh, of also going back to the when I saw you a couple of years ago, you guys sounded great, man. There was a lot of energy on stage, and that's the second time I've seen you with Billy. Um, okay, I yeah. saw you about. Five years ago in Florida. Okay, yeah. Uh, when I was mm-hmm. down there. And um, one thing that I noticed about that was the first time I saw, I'd seen you play before, man. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Always sounded great. Oh, and the time that I saw you, the first time I saw you with Billy, um, friends of mine that have had work with him in the past, and it, there was always talk about how, yeah, the thing about uh, working with Billy Currington is um, he plays lots of different music. And he doesn't really care about you copying the exact part on the record. If anything, he wants you to come up with, you know, your own part. And there's always that. Now, every gig is different. And some artists, they want it the uh, a specific tempo, maybe from the record or whatever. Sure. But they want the fill, the, that, the same number of crashes, you know, everything down to a minutia detail. Um, this was different, and and I think it's becoming more so, and it's becoming more acceptable uh, among pop country artists. Yeah, I think you're right. Maybe yeah. I should say, mm-hmm. um, uh, in that particular field. Uh, but that was kind of a that was kind of a new thing for me to hear um, that that was the case. And then when I saw you guys, it made sense. Mm-hmm. It was fun. Um, it was fun to listen to. There was definitely something going on on stage that was different than a band just providing the background music for the singer to karaoke to. Well, man, thanks for noticing. That's that's exactly what we would want people to to take away from our show is that we want to we want them to have fun because we're having fun. It's mm-hmm. like every time I can get on stage, that's a that's a great time, man. That's like, that's what I look forward to. That's, uh, the highlight of the day. And it's like, um, just, and I've got a, I want to be happy and positive and full of energy on stage yeah, yeah. whatever that means. And, you know, in a ballad, you can still have energy, but it's oh, yeah. in a different way. You don't, yeah. you're not playing fast or furious or whatever, but it's still, you're, you're bringing an energy, you're bringing something. And we play the same songs every night, a lot of times as well as mm-hmm. you do, you know, and yeah. it's like, okay, but that audience member, this is maybe the only time or the first time they're hearing you play. Right. I got a feeling and I've played, right. I got a feeling for 10 years, you know, but okay. But I don't want to phone it in any no, night no, ever, no, no. you know, or bring any baggage or uh, we all have things going on in our lives, but we kind of leave those at the side of the stage. As we walk on stage, those things don't come with us because yeah. that doesn't serve the music. It doesn't help me to, to, you know, translate the music you know what i'm supposed to do for the audience it doesn't uh if i'm preoccupied i think an audience member can tell that you know if they can see that i'm disconnected or a a band member if he's really you know we we actually it's purposeful to engage and look look at somebody in the eye i mean if you're Mm -hmm. if we have somebody join the band and they're not so comfortable with that it's like well, find somebody to look at, you know, or find somebody to make eye contact with because you, we need you to connect with the audience. I need to connect with the audience. They need to feel like they're a part of this or, or this is not a show, you know, to me, the audience, you want to bring them into your world for a night. An evening with Billy Carrington is, is an evening with all, 
all of us, all of mm-hmm. you in the audience and all of us on stage, we're together. Um, so we want to kind of present that. Um, and like you say, when I first came in on the, the gig, I did play the record. And, and, and that, of course, a lot of times when you start a gig, you, you pick the safe template, you know, or you start. And, and start this was there. early in Billy's career. Was this, were, were you kind of part of the first incarnation of that band or? No, because I guess I'm trying to think. Billy probably got his deal in 2001. I think he moved here in the 90s and, uh, uh, and did many odd jobs. And I'm pretty sure one of his jobs was laying some of the concrete for Bridgestone, oddly <laughs> enough. <laughs> you know, that's like interesting. And yeah. uh, I know we'll be playing there later this year. But uh, so it's like uh, Billy probably got his deal, I guess it was 2001. And I was playing, uh, like I said, I'd moved here in 2000. And I was playing in a cover band with a guy named Peter Moon. And Sean Smith was the bass player. And uh, so, and there was another drummer named Joe uh, from North Carolina and Sean and Joe were buddies. And Sean was like, Hey, this drummer buddy, Joe has a line on a country gig. And uh, so it looks like, it looks like I might have a gig, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, that's awesome, man. Good for you. You know? And so it didn't involve me at the time, but still that's your buddy having success. So you want to encourage them. And so I was happy for Sean and Joe. And then it, as it turned out, uh, so the gig was Billy Carrington. That's who Joe had an in somehow with, with Billy and that camp. And so he was the original drummer. And I guess, uh, like it was Sean Smith. It was Glenn Mitchell playing guitar. Uh, I believe Mark Birch, who is still on the band. He was in the band at that time. I believe, oh, wow. you know, Mark, uh, uh, so, uh, and then I subbed in probably over maybe in 2003, 2004, maybe once or twice subbed in a couple of weekends here and there with Billy. And, um, so I got to know the band guys, the crew guys, and I felt like at some point this gig is going to turn over and, and I think, I think it'll be mine, you know, yeah. and, and I didn't want to like be overconfident about it, but I just felt like, man, it feels good. And it really feels great when I'm out with these guys playing. And I feel like at some point, if something happens or if, if Joe leaves or if there's a something, just a turnover of sorts, then yeah. I feel like I'm going to get this call. And, and it did happen. And I was so happy and I was glad to take it. And at the time I was playing with uh, Chris Jansen, uh, who was, um, I think he was just getting signed to Sony and he was like a 19 year old kid that had the, he was like Hank senior meets Mick Jagger. And <laughs> this kid is, he, he had some great energy and all that. So, um, and things were going on really good with him. But when Billy called, I, I really just had no choice. And I knew that this is the gig I've been waiting to yeah. take. And so it wasn't an audition. It was, you had subbed and kind of proved yourself at that point. At that point. Yeah. And that, so to, um, so I did not have to go through an audition, which was just a relief, you know, I mean, they, they really didn't want to go through that process. And since I already knew the band guys and there was a comfort level that, that goes to say that, you know, knowing people just, you know, and, and being friends and having, and, and it all comes down to relationships and, and, uh, as to how to get, that's not the only way to get gigs, but it is a great way, you know, and, and many auditions I remember trying out for things and not getting them and you learn something on audition, but you, you know, you, why didn't I get picked, you know, but this wasn't meant to happen for that right, particular. Right. There's gig. so many reasons it's, it's tough. And there's so many emotions you have to, you, you struggle with like, is it me? Is it them? You know, what's going on, but. And you can't beat yourself you do, up. No, no. But every time uh, I've done an audition, I've walked away. I've learned so much about myself, uh, not only in your playing, but kind of like, uh, you just, you're just better prepared for the, for the next one and, and, uh, just how to handle, uh, right. it from yeah. the beginning and the end. Yeah. And, and I remember first coming to town and, and like, 
you know, how do you get auditions or whatever. And, but I wanted to take every audition, even if I really wasn't sure about the gig, just to go through the process. Mm -hmm. And because like you say, it is a learning thing or you meet a bass player, a guitar player that may end up calling you for a bunch of work later, or you call them or something, Uh, or they just know that, Hey man, we like you. We, we happen to like this other guy better, but if something happens, we're going to call you if he doesn't work out, you know, yeah, or just yeah. you plant a seed when you're there. Right. Your seed. And hopefully right. that, you know, I had a situation where it, it was, I, they said, well, we've got a, a buddy of mine that I've worked with and, uh, we're not sure if he's available or not, but, uh, if he's, you know, and it just, it just seemed like BS to me. And they said, oh, he's available. So I guess we can't use you, but, but thanks for, you know, it was one of those all-day rehearsal slash audition kind of oh, deals. Right. And everybody else in the band uh, went off and did this gig. And I thought, I went, I was just frustrated. And I went home, and I, I think I've told the story before, so I'll abbreviate it. But it comes comes around the next year, and, and uh, it was the truth. The, the, the band leader called me and said, hey, listen, my buddy uh, who toured with us last year is not available this year, but you did such a great job. We want you to use you this year. And I'm like, Oh, they weren't BSing. That was, that was cool. And it, and the timing was good. I, I did need the, the work at the time in right, that summer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, went out and, and did that. So it was, I was very thankful. That's that. cool. That it works out. Cause you never know. Like, yeah, if they're, if they're usually at an audition, I mean, you don't know if they're telling you just to be nice, say, man, we had a, we had another guy. It's or not if they're you, just, it's me. No, really. Really? <laughs> we can still be friends? Uh, I mean, yeah. So, it, you know, you just don't know. And yeah. and then you, you play these head games and wonder, well, why didn't I get it? Or And then you end up, you know, getting a little down on yourself. And then, But you find out, hey, yeah. it wasn't me at all. Seriously, they had their best buddy, and it, that's the deal. Yeah. So kind of um, nice to find out. Hmm. Two things that um, you were talking about before. I'm, I'm kind of jumping around here as as I do. Um, All good. ADD uh, is that you said the best part of your day is playing, is being on stage, and you just and it has to translate. I love that man. And it's like you know how to manage your time. You get along with everybody in the band, on the crew. Uh, you find ways to manage your time and stay in shape. Soccer, all that stuff. We've covered that. But the importance of being of like knowing the value of performance and, and the reason why we do what we do for that, whether it's 45 minutes or an hour and a half or three hours, that is the best part of your day, especially, and I say this all the time, it's got to be good because if we're going to be out and away from our friends and away from our families, it's got to be good, man. It's got to be worth it. Yeah. And good, you know, yeah. To, to make those sacrifices. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and this is somewhat relatable that I like the fact that there's an emphasis on um, your, the camp with Billy that, look, have fun, connect with the audience because even though we're going to be playing the same song we've been playing for the last 10 years, that one person in the audience needs the best performance they can get. And when when people look up on stage, and I hear this, you're not going to hear the negative stuff so much, but I hear the positive. Um, When I'm with a group that that just is having a great time, and I hear this consistently, like, man, you guys look like you're having so much fun. Yeah. And that makes us have fun. And it's true. It's really true. It's really great. It is. Yeah, you feed off it. And and a lot of times you don't see past the first few rows, or you, you can... You can really uh, just with the lighting, you don't see the back row. But a lot of times, I want to, yeah. I want to aim for the back row, you know, yeah. or that person in the back, or that didn't get, to, that didn't run up front and get to, you know, the general admission up front and you know fight all the crowd. But they still love the music and they're a huge fan. And you just don't, you just don't know right. what fans are out there. And 
Now, the dinner party that I played last week, I could see the back row. Yeah, um, the lighting <laughs> wasn't bad. <laughs> <laughs> Generally, we're off November, December, January, and it's a solid three months. Um, unless we just there's management calls and there's something we just have to do, and that's cool, and we're all on call for that. But uh, uh, so really, we all try to we all like freelancing and playing around and and just connecting in town. Like part of when I moved to Nashville was like I wanted to be in Nashville in the scene. I didn't necessarily. I found out quickly like if you take a a road gig with with maybe just like hopping a van and trailer you're not in nashville right. you're you're out somewhere else and you're not connecting with people in nashville and right. and that's good that you're working but in a sense i wanted to out of sight out of mind out of sight out of mind and if it's not with an established or like a label artist uh which is kind of i guess is our i don't know if that's everyone's goal but you know it's it's just you know you're gonna the pay is higher and just yeah. uh the um things are a little bit bigger and the machine is bigger and all that kind of yeah. stuff. But, um, you know, and I'm happy to drop in a drop, jump in a van and trailer as well, or my car and drive to a gig, you know, so it's nothing about that, but, uh, it just seems like a lot of those, uh, when you do that, yeah, you're just removing yourself from what you came to be a part of. Right. Well, I think, I think what you're it's a fine I, line, but I definitely the point, I think what you're making is that you could be with a huge artist and that everyone knows, but if you're out of town, you're out of town. And you yeah. might miss the call for the audition because you're out of town playing. And you, again, you're working, and that's awesome. Yeah. But, yeah, so it, it is a hard choice. You have to decide, do I want to take these gigs and do this, or do I stay in town and kind of eat crackers for a minute and, and tough it out and hope for, uh, you know, well, audition then, the calls or right, something. Right, but then you get that audition, and then you get with the the artist that takes you out on the road, and then you're... Then you're gone. Then you're gone again. You're on the road. <laughs> so all that to say, there, I think there's a balance, and it's hard to strike a balance, but I think, I feel like in this situation I'm in, there is a great balance. We have... There's a cons- It sounds like there's a consistency in the last five, six years. You can look at your year... And you know when you're going to be home. You know when things kick in. Right. And they're not going to drop a lot of things in our lap last minute. And, you know, and if they do, of course, we're all jumping and glad to do it. You know, And some things just come that way. But, but generally, that's not how it works. We have our schedule pretty much for the year now. You know, I have that on my phone or whatever. Um, and we know kind of what the year looks like. But So how do you reconnect when you're back in town? I mean, what, what things are you doing? Um, well, I'll try to uh, I'll try to stay in touch as we all do. Um, just try to keep making phone calls, keep touching base with people. Not necessarily, maybe we'll say you're free then, or you know, or just when you're off. But also just, and when I'm home, I want to go out and see some music too, and go support somebody. And then inevitably, you're going to run into somebody, and then hey, I need what are you doing next week, or yeah, you know, and you yeah. pick up a gig, and like uh, like I've been able to uh, the last two years. When I've been off, uh, me and a couple of buddies started a band, and I've this is something I'd never been into before, or never really dove into. And we, it's called the Stolen Faces, and it's a Grateful Dead band. And it's like, oh, wow. well, we, we it was it was born out of a desire just to get together and improvise, but we didn't necessarily want to like 
thought it was a Rod Stewart tribute band, but it's not. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it is. It could be kind of like that. Um, but actually, in, and not being a familiar with all the history, I think in one of the songs, He's Gone of the Grateful Dead, there's a steal your face right out of, out of your headline. And that's where the guy made up the... I didn't come up with the name, but uh, but initially it was, a, it was the gathering to get together and we were going to just pull out the real book and like play some tunes and, you know, play some... Uh, not you know, jazz or improv, but not necessarily just straight ahead, just doing something that was different. And then really we said, well, um, where can this go? And then, uh, it turned, it morphed into this Grateful Dead situation where I had to do a lot of homework. And if you're familiar with it, were you a Grateful Dead fan at all? Not so much. I've never been a deadhead. I did see them in 92 in Birmingham, Alabama. They did two nights there and it was with Jerry. And so I was still like, I knew that as a younger person then I was like, I know I need to go see the Grateful Dead. I'm not, I don't know what all they're about necessarily, but I, you know, knew a little bit. And so I went on the second night. And so the scene had already descended upon the town the first night. And it was like <laughs> all the girls twirling and just like yeah. people in the, the streets. Dance. It was a different town. Yeah. I mean, it was yeah. like, this yeah. is, this is what this is all about. This is great. You know, it was amazing. It was a, a really great experience. It was almost like a, circus atmosphere you know mm, it yeah. was an event so i, I was that. glad that i went and observed it and but still i uh i had buddies that knew all their songs and stuff like that but i it still didn't necessarily dive into their music but like i'm finding so one night you know we'll play in this dead band now and it's uh, there's a reggae song in seven you know and then there's a song in ten and it's got this jam in the middle that's epic that's like and there's no rules. And it's no. like, the way we do it, we want to honor and respect the dead. So we do that, but we're not like, we don't have a a big guy that looks like Jerry. Or try, you know, we're not yeah. a tribute band, but we're a band that plays their songs. But when we take a tangent or a left turn somewhere, it's wide open. And it's the most, it's seriously, it's some of those nights have been some of the most freeing music. Like, like what I might shed or practice on at home that I would never play on a gig, I would, I would play on this gig right, and right. find myself in these uh, just rolling over the bar lines and everybody's in and everybody's connected. And if you, there's a lot if, of listening going on, there's a big ears going on and it's like, and it's awesome, man. And if for some reason something gets off, you just, you find your way back and it's such that, uh, it's, so it's all great players, you know, and it's like, uh, Christian Grizzard's a bass player and he's kind of taken over that whole situation and really just, really run with it because I, um, and he's made all these chart books for everybody. If we have a sub, so he has depth. If I can't make it and another guy in Billy's band, we both play in the band and we're, if we're on the road, he has other guys that cover it. Wow. And, 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 you know, so the band goes on because for him, he needs to be out working. And, right, right, uh, right. If you've heard of Jack Silverman, a great, oh, local, yeah, he yeah. plays with us. Yeah. Oh, and he's great, insane, great. man. Yeah, yeah. He's a great. Player. Uh, so for him to bring that bag is very cool. And it's like, um, I'd played with him years ago and then we kind of reconnected on this project and it's like I say, it's, it's freeing and every night can be different yep. and it's, yep. we don't use a click and it's, uh, I did at <laughs> first and I realized, you know, Grateful Dead, we don't yeah, use a click. Yeah, they don't yeah, use yeah. no stinking click. So, um, and then occasionally I'll use the beat bug, but it's really just what's there. It, it's it is. just play, you know? <laughs> um, uh, when I was living in Columbus, um, years ago, I, was in a band called Stonebird for about two and a half years. Okay. And uh, it, they did a lot of dead. 
and uh, you know some fish and some and lots of originals. It's but a it jam was, band. Though. It was jam band thing, yeah. and I really wasn't into the jam band thing. But I love jazz. I love improvisation. Mm-hmm. Um, I love bebop music, and love so uh, and, and I was playing rock and things like that. And so when the bass player called me for this gig, I was like, um, okay, so um, I'm, I, I have to admit I don't know a lot of Dead. Um, I just some of the signature songs, but um, uh, can I get uh, recordings from you? And he goes, no, 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 no. I don't want you to listen to any of that stuff. Wow. Here's the <laughs> gig, just show up, and I'll tell you the groove, and we'll just go. And so I, they didn't let me listen to anything. Well, wow. they didn't want me to listen to anything, essentially. Uh-huh. And I think it was just their own take on things. And, I, man, I really enjoyed, I really got to know the songs from that perspective. But I liked a lot of it. They're really unique. Did. Each song is, I mean, like the composition of the song, there's something to it. There's really depth and the songs can, they all go somewhere and they're all just, yeah. some of them have little odd turns and tangents in them, but yep. they're, yeah. but once you know that song, there's no forgetting that song, you know, or whatever. Right, right. Well, and, but then there's the, the improv- uh, improvisation element of it that where you need to have big ears to participate in making it happen. And so I think that sometimes is a skill that gets lost, but what an invaluable skill, not only for playing music that requires improvisation, but for for coming up with parts. And when you're, say, sitting in and you don't know the song, or uh, you're doing a session and you need to come up with a part or you need to improvise on the spot quick if they're, you know, running through songs fast... I think the skills really apply well. Oh yeah, you got to hear and and of and basically yeah, serve that music and play okay and try to hear as many little nuances in the music or little pushes or anything that might be required of you and mm-hmm. at, at, which at first glance some people may miss. You want to try to hear those things as quickly as possible, yeah. dial them in. Or if you're playing, sitting in with a band, oh the first verse I missed it, but second verse I'm going to get it because I you know or right, if it does right, it again or right. if that second chorus comes around. I, now I know it because I heard it the first time. I missed it the first time, but now I'm going to get it or whatever, right. you know, or hope, you know. That drives me nuts. You know, you're playing and somebody misses the first thing and you're like, yeah, yeah, okay, they don't know. That's cool. Second one comes around. How did they? Okay. Well, third one comes around. They What is going on? Are they not here I, on yeah, stage I, with me? Right. <laughs> or what's yeah. up? Um, yeah. What's the name of the band again? Uh, that's the Stolen Faces. Stolen Faces. And yeah. how often do they play? Or they It's... Um, Probably it varies. Probably like uh, you know five, five, eight, nine shows a month, something like that. Some months it'll be four or five. Some months it'll be more. So it kind of depends on. um, I know I had to miss it, but they had a a nice little four day run last uh, maybe it's a week or two, kind of down on the coast, and that was like they were down in. um, Is it purely dead? This is all dead. Okay, Okay, which is interesting. Yeah, so it's completely, which. There's no lack of material, you know. Uh, there's, uh, I mean, we've probably know a hundred songs, and there's how many more than that? I don't know. You know, we feel like we know a lot. I was going to say you could probably do four songs in an hour. Some of the, uh, it's like we'll look at our clock. We've got thirty minutes left. Oh, uh, let's do bird song. You know, so it's like you can literally almost play that for twenty minutes, or th- you know, you can yeah. stretch a song out for fifteen, twenty minutes, and yeah. and and it's still, and it's not like meandering or or. Well, hopefully it's not meandering and boring, but you know, it, it seems like there's still direction and you're still like, there's still, um, 
interest, musical interest and things that are going on. So otherwise, any, if we're not, if somebody's not feeling inspired, hopefully somebody else in the band will be and, and it t- lifts to a new level or we go right. to a new place that night or something. Once we get into our season, like our sound checks, we don't really, once we're into it right now, we're still got some new tunes. So we're yep. playing Billy songs, but okay. eventually we're not going to be playing any Billy songs at soundcheck. We just jam. We'll play Michael Jackson. We'll be playing, um, yeah. uh, some Dawes. We'll play like, uh, Steely Dan, you know, it's yeah. what we, what we do. And we've done this for years. And, uh, um, the last five or six years, I've been lucky enough to be like the musical director. So I kind of push this and it's like, okay, you know, all you guys, I'm no singer, but all you guys that sing, pick a song or two songs and send them to us and we're going to learn those songs and that's our sound check jam for this week. Nice, and nice. then we develop a repertoire and yeah. like a couple of years ago, we had a merch guy that could sing and I uh, I, I just threw together like an arrangement of about five uh, Hall & Oates tunes and we <laughs> and we played that and Billy heard it at sound check and we played it at a show. He said, man, that's awesome. We're doing it tonight. I mean, and Billy walked Which off song? stage. It oh, was, oh, he he didn't sing. He didn't sing. He called the merch guy up. I mean, he heard us do it at Soundcheck, and oh, Billy said, song, "Man, what song you guys it? are doing this." It was a, uh, it was fi- it was a medley of five Hollow Notes tunes, and it had like, um, uh, what is it? A man eater had a yeah. um, uh, rich girl had um, make my dreams come true. Yeah, yeah. Had uh, it was what was the other two? It had five. There's an. Uh, it's like a guilty pleasure it was awesome. band yeah, it was that so, people, you know, and then you listen back and you're like, wow, those guys are really good. It was so fun, man. That's and good. and like doing, uh, we'll do Josie sometimes or something, okay. you know, yeah, I yeah. mean, or we'll do, uh, uh, what's the one Mark Trussell singing? He's singing a Michael Jackson song. Oh, yeah, so, The Way She Makes the way, the way You Make Me Feel. feel. Yeah, that yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sorry mm-hmm. to sing. But uh, yeah, so yeah, that was awesome, man. And, and we like, that's a fun one, but it's a, fun groove and the fills and yeah. that uh, you know are just cool to try to cop all that, that I think some of the music we've got on the podcast I've got one of those grooves on there and it was a rip off of, of that. it was a, it was it was a rip off of that cuz they were for anybody that's interested um that stuff's uh, a part of a loop package that I I played for a friend of mine and and so we're like well, let's take these popular songs and and uh, and do Steal some them. well do <laughs> do like a drum groove that fits like this these these songs and one of them was that Michael Jackson song and uh, everyone wants to rule the world uh, oh, I love tears it. for fears yeah we used to do that thing. in soundcheck yeah that's it's got, got the hi hat thing the hi hat thing I is, love it is so cool wow, yeah. we were just talking about that yesterday actually it's awesome um which uh what was I gonna say about that uh oh, the Michael Jackson song oh what you was guys it? doing that. Yeah, uh, oh, I was, I was going to say, by the way, Matt, that's you, you playing. I don't know if you've told anybody, but I was oh. curious. You're playing on like all the drum parts on the breaks uh, in the, in but the not podcast. The guitar, but not the guitar part. That's, that's not Mike. you playing. That's all Mike and, and oh, composing yeah. all that stuff. But yeah. still, like the <laughs> halftime groove you're going to hear in a minute, that's Matt Krause. That's awesome. So that's cool, man. <laughs> the beginning of the end. Or yeah. I didn't know if you got those from somewhere. We, no, uh, actually, when we were trying to come up with music to, to put on the podcast, we were just scrambling to... we we set ourselves up to kind of light a fire under this and get this rocking and like get David Black's um, podcast out. It was number one. And and so we're like, let's do this. Let's interview him this week and then we'll put it out, you know, but let's get music. Oh, we don't have time to record. And I was getting ready to leave and Mike was busy with projects. And so um, I had just raw drum tracks uh, about 
eight uh, loops that I had recorded for a friend of mine, and and they said, well, let's use these, and uh, and and got permission from him to 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 use those, and then just compose music around that and then add percussion parts and stuff like that so right no it's awesome man yeah so i think we want to do more but it's it's just working because it's not about it's just we just i wanted to do something like transitional just for fun but not you know not do a lot of music but just a lot of yakking a lot of talking oh yeah it's cool man and these are these are so awesome man yeah all Uh, the podcasts have been great to listen to they are fun man i'm excited about what's what's coming up um the uh the band uh, Savannah Jack I've been working with for uh, a while now. We will sound check um, a lot of McCartney stuff. Oh, okay. So uh-huh. uh, you know anything from Beatles, Wings, uh, McCartney solo stuff, and right. we don't have an engineer that tours with us. So a lot of times we'll play these places, and the engineers are jumping up and down, going, "Yeah, man, They're loving it. I yeah. want to hear Jed. I want to hear. Let me roll it." And uh, and then we're like. So man, I'm so excited to hear you guys tonight at the show. We're like, well, we're not going to be playing any of that stuff at the actual show. This is just our sound. It's just for for kicks, right? Exactly. I know, but the whole band loves doing that. Yeah. Exactly. Um, when I saw you in Florida, and that might have been five years ago, um, it there was a Motown thing going on with the set, um, and. Uh, People were saying, well, you know, Billy's just really influenced by all these different vocalists outside mm-hmm. of country music. For sure. And um, do, are you guys doing covers uh, on a show or to what degree or has yeah, that changed? And Yeah, and we always have as uh, a couple of covers and that's... and. That's very true. He's a Motown fan. He loves Marvin Gaye. He loves Stevie Wonder. He loves that whole era of music. And it's just... Um, and now he loves like... Um, you know Bruno Mars and and yeah, uh, yeah. he he really just all these great singers and performers and entertainers and he's always seeking out new music too. Billy's looking for new stuff, but like so we've played everything from like Superstition in the set to like uh, 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 right now um, we're currently doing Uptown Funk and, mm. it, and it's wow. and it's the guys are dancing and it's ridiculous. It's awesome. I really, mean, it's, it's really. A, it's okay. become like a huge high point of the show. We kind of, uh, we've done enough shows. Uh, I guess it's all over. It's on YouTube, so I'm not giving away our all of our show. But I'm just saying, it's a, it is a, it's a stellar moment. It's so fun, and the groove and the pocket of that song are yeah. so great. And to me, like that's always been what Billy's about is is that type. Like, don't. That's a Motown feel. I mean, you know, it's like all these. Uh, his stuff is real pocket oriented. Um, I know Eddie play, Bayer's played a lot of his stuff for years and then uh, last record and this new record which is about to come out in a month is Dan Huff mm-hmm. Dan Huff did his last two singles and the current single that's out called Donut right now that's also Dan Huff who uh, so it's Chris McHugh playing drums on that and, oh, uh, wow. uh, and then Dan's playing the guitar solos and it's just and it's and so we've all gone back and we're listening to Giant and you know looking at Dan and, and like oh god this, this is ridiculous and we all knew he's a monster anyway but just to hear what what he's what he and Billy are doing it's it's amazing it's really just it's inspiring us and, and it's firing us up to the point where we're just so excited Billy's spun the record for us a couple times and uh, I don't have a copy yet but it's like so I think it'll drop in a month but uh, so we're playing one or two songs off the new set right now and we'll be adding some more but it's uh, off the new record but it's really to me it's a a new great direction it's still country but it's just it's music 
Man, I want to ask you about um, a gig you guys did in Canada a few years ago. Um, mm-hmm. It was a it was a crazy, crazy. thing that happened. You I'll never I'm forget it. Oh, I right. know. Yeah, I I thought about it actually. Just I was wondering. If, yeah, I'm glad that you asked because it's yeah. uh, it's was a crazy situation. Um, yeah, I'll never forget. It, it was uh, up in Camrose, uh, Alberta, and it was. Uh, like a, a big festival and Canadians are huge country music fans, man. Yep. They love it. I mean, yep. you know, you've been up there and it's awesome and they're just supportive. And this was, uh, I know like, uh, this was one of those big festivals probably a week long and basically out in, I guess if it was in the off season or not festival weekend, it would just be dirt and scrabble, you know, just yep. nothing, no buildings. There's no hard buildings, no brick, uh, like 90% of Canada. It was just, yeah. Campers. I mean, you know, then yeah. that's like, it was all camper world. There was a pop-up stage and a, and a very big, a huge stage with, you know, tons of rolling risers and decking and everything. So it was not, it was very sturdy, substantial stage. I feel, I didn't feel like it was shoddy in the least or mm-hmm. no, you never mm-hmm. don't worry about those things, you right, know? And, right, right. and, um, uh, and we were just uh, so I think uh, Gary Allen had no he maybe he was playing later I'm trying to think I know he was on the show I know Kevin Costner was on the show mm-hmm. after us and we were so we were playing an hour set and we started uh, and we had flown in and uh, so we didn't have our bus we were all back line and everything so yeah. I think I had my stick bag was my only personal stuff that was there but uh, you know my metronome and ears and all that but uh, so th- we're on uh, stage and we're playing and. Good Directions was our last song. It was our closer. Yep. And we start noticing about 45 minutes into the set, like it's sunny when we start, but about 45 minutes into the set, it's starting to get dark and we're it's windy and we're noticing people are people are paying attention, but there's like you can kind of see a little bit of unrest in the mm-hmm. audience. And then, mm-hmm. so we get to our very last song, Good Directions, and and then we there's crew guys on the side of the stage like not our crew necessarily but just like local crew and i think one of gary allen's uh, crew guys for sure was there and and he's they're yelling at us telling us to run and i mean Uh, run for your life and they come out and they grab billy and billy's and i i'm you can't i'm not leaving billy on stage so i'm still playing and and then uh they come out and grab billy and the music stops and we're kind of just trash canning so i stand up and i stand up and i'm kind of just playing on the cymbals and yeah. kicking on the kick drum, you know, just waiting to see. And Billy says, good night, you know, see you guys get out of here. And all the locals and everybody in the crowd, you see them start to scramble. And there's like this black wall coming towards us. And it's like to the sky. And it's it's not a funnel cloud, but it's um, it's just, and we don't necessarily hear it, but it's very obviously, you know, and everybody's at this point, we're seeing all this audience just scatter before us. And this thing is, I think it's called a, a straight line wind or something, but it's tornadic in nature. It's just crazy wow. high speed winds. It's stirring up all this stuff and it's coming towards us. It's like straight for the stage. And so what happens is um, they rush Billy off the side of the stage and there's people up on the, like they call it a, what was it called? On the side stage? There's people are sitting like a VIP deck on yes. above Monitor World on both sides of the stage. And so they're they're evacuating these people quickly and running them down the stairs. And uh, so, and Billy, we're trash canning. Billy says, good night, everybody. And as I'm raising my hands to do the final downbeat, the cymbals turn sideways and blow in the air past me. And then on their stands, like literally they pick what? up and they blow. So I can't even hit the cymbals and the oh drum, the bass drum, like, knocks into me i'm standing up and bass so I, drum moves big bass drum t- 
tumbles over towards me because the wind oh, and right. you look i look up in the stage all the um the, the uh, line arrays yeah. are going nuts i mean oh. and at this point i guess everybody's scattered me and the guitar player clint newcomb who actually lives up in canada now he's not on the band anymore but uh, at the time he was there we were the only ones on stage and and i looked up and i saw like okay this wind is coming straight towards us and everything's going to fall backwards or straight down. So I ran to the front of the stage where nothing was and nothing could fall on your head and, yeah. and a line array couldn't fall on my head. But seriously, I was, you're thinking like you're in stress mode and yeah. it's like, it's even weird recounting it, but, uh, <laughs> but you're in, and you're like serious. This is like way serious. And I'm, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, right, we right, could right. seriously die. And, and, so and finally the stage collapses it goes oh down and then i hear people screaming uh, the drum i mean i literally i saw a nord keyboard flying in the air like airborne i oh mean it's like God. it's just whack and and all these and so all this equipment is trash there's a huge torrent of rain and then there's i hear people crying on the side to the left of the stage and I'm grabbing towels going there's this girl bleeding out of the head oh. and then i fall through like one of the decking in the stage and still have like a scar on my leg from just falling in, in a hole. I'm like, this whole situation is just dangerous, you know? And yeah. everybody, we just, our bass player, Alex Stevens, he's not found for 15 minutes after this whole ordeal. And somebody finds him, he's pinned under a piece of scaffolding. He was the last one to exit oh stage left. And he's, he's literally pinned under scaffolding and his bass probably, probably saved his life. He's got it. Cause when they lifted it up, he had a spurting uh, artery and yeah. but the scaffolding in his base was kind of holding that artery in place for a moment and uh he's on the cover of some magazine looks like rocky rambo or something out of some movie or so, it's just like crazy you know he's yeah. bloody and his shirt's yeah. open and he's got that. bandages right. yeah yeah and it's uh so he wasn't found like because i'd already called my wife at this point i'm like i'm uh, i'm not calling alex's wife without knowing where he is you know and yeah so um we finally found him and, and Billy had gone, he, Billy got caught underneath and hit, he had gotten hit in the head, had a huge goose bump on his head. He was bleeding out of side of, on wow. part of his face. He had been hit. So he was receiving some medical attention and the rain came and went really quickly. And, uh, there, un sadly one lady died. I, I was sure that like 50 people had died. Yeah. Know? Yeah. It yeah. was sobering, man. And, yeah. uh, but, uh, this one lady died, and luckily it was only her. But gosh, it was uh, yeah, what an experience! And and uh, our manager at the time, he sent us private jet, flew us out of there, got us home immediately. He was like, "Man, I'm getting you guys out of there." Yeah, That's after we had received any kind of medical treatment, I mm -hmm. I didn't need anything, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. it was man, I would never wish that on anybody. And I understand, you know, I felt so terrible. I, I know Sugarland went through a similar thing with stage collapse. Shortly just, thereafter, that shortly thereafter, that was weird. And it was like weird. And, and I know somebody else did as well because, uh, and I never really, like, I kind of, I don't want to say I was, was obsessed with it, but I, for a month after that, I was just looking for footage and there wasn't really anything good online. And, and they're trying to deal with what, with what happened, try, try to figure out how, how to deal with the, probably the emotions that came along heavy. with it. It was coping. I mean, it was like, yeah. Well, because I'm friends with Alex, so I, mean, I remember I seeing so. all that. And then I'm also um, friends with um, some of the players from uh, Kevin Costner's band okay. as well. Yeah. and um, I think they had just played before us. Yeah, you know, or, or maybe they were going to play. They were, gonna, they were, they were, gonna they were on the side of the stage getting ready to take That's over, right. and then they went back into the... 
That's what happened. There was an hour break after us, and they were going to play right after that. I think. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And so we had to check. We had, I mean, uh, so you knew a lot of those guys in in Kamloops, Alberta. Camrose, yeah. Camrose, yes. Yeah. I think there's a Kamloops. There, yeah, yeah. And um, there's only like five cities up there. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's got to be one of them. But just the, 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 I think that Crazy. was weird. Was um, that 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 everyone in town knew somebody that was involved in, in one way or another to that isolated situation. I mean, I know it was a big festival, but you think this town in Canada and all these people that were there. And nowhere. And then word got out. Yeah. It weren't, yeah. Really and support. Bad. I mean, it was like, yes, yes you know, yes, yes. you don't want to use your phone that much when you're in Canada, but that day I ran up a huge bill because people were calling and texting and you just had to let people know yeah. what's up, that everybody's good, you know, and you had to make phone calls to family because, Really, people just did not know what the story yeah. was, and you yeah. didn't want rumors to get out. And yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, man, what a that's crazy. Yeah, it, yeah. Recounting that's even you know you you think about that, and for a while I was looking every time I got on stage, I was looking up, and it was just, and I did not want that to be the norm for me. I did. Hey, I was man, like, I got to move You know on. what? We all we all did. We all did. Shortly after that, I really? mean, every time I was playing outside. Um, just since that stuff happened and then, then the Sugarland thing shortly thereafter, I don't know how many times I'd get on a stage where I'd look at it and I, I, it makes me wonder how many people were apprehensive just knowing that that stuff I know. and hopefully nature's bigger than us. <laughs> I mean, and we, I mean, it regard, you know, I trust, uh, I was listening to a podcast with Mark Schulman the other day and it, you know, for, for pink and it was on, uh, what, who were, uh, solopreneur hour or whatever, but, yeah. uh, he was saying, talking about the trust that we have to put into the riggers that do the math every morning that are hanging, doing setting the hanging points. We have to trust the people that are setting up the stage and the trusses and the lighting with our lives. Cause there's like, he was saying like, there's a, you know, thousand pound chandelier over his head, you know, and if that falls, he's, you know, right. Well, well, that was uh, Van Halen. Mm-hmm. The story of the what is it? The red M and M's, green M and M's, green M and M's. Uh, did you listen to that podcast? Um, they talked about that as well. Yeah. Well, I do, I don't know if that was the one where I heard it, but I mean that's where that comes from. A lot of people think, oh man, they're just being whatever. They're being picky artists, and there's no different. It's not no, that's not what it was from. It's because during that time, Van Halen was the, one of the first bands to travel with multiple. Um, semis with hmm. the massive amount of rigging okay. that um, had never been done up to that point. So in their rider, they had very specific things, and a lot of them had to do with safety. And so if they walk into the dressing room and those green... I believe they requested no green M&Ms. Green, was that no, it yeah, the green, if they, if they saw green them. M&Ms, they knew that the rider didn't get checked. And it wasn't about the green M&Ms. It was about the rigging. It was about making sure that that was because... That Interesting. Stuff. If they if they slipped over that, they might have slipped over something even far more important. Right, right. right a right. hanging point or whatever. Yeah, and, and somewhere in the contract, uh, they were allowed to say, "Okay, scrap it. We're leaving. We're not doing it. There's no show." Wow. There's no show, and so it was very strict. And you know, things have changed, but you know, we're talking late seventies, early eighties. So true. You know, we're only talking. This happened what maybe. Five years ago, I guess it was probably five, six years ago, something like yeah, that. So yeah, so things like that can, that still, can still, I mean, happen. still can happen. But, happen. but who? Th- I think that was like really an anomaly. That just that storm coming out of nowhere. They didn't even anticipate that thing happening, and it was yeah. just really a strange situation. Mm-hmm. 
you're from Columbus, Georgia? Well, I was born in Columbus because my parents were actually, uh, they had gone to school at Auburn and they were teaching high school in, in Columbus. And then I'm really from Birmingham. I've been, I've grown up in Birmingham, so okay. I'm from Alabama. So, okay. uh, um, and actually I went to Auburn. Um, I, I was always in band and, um, you know, did, um, junior high band you know middle school band and back then it's called junior high school but junior high school high school band you know stage mm-hmm. band marching mm-hmm. band all of the ensembles mm-hmm. and then and then i ended up going to auburn and getting a music degree and um i, I was a band director in birmingham for like three years really yeah I, I, well, what was your degree you said music degree but i did it? music ed yeah okay. but i played when i was at auburn I wanted. I did every ensemble as possible. You know, I played in the Auburn Knights big band. I played in the jazz ensembles. I, you know, took privately. I wanted to, I wanted to be a sponge, and I still do. But you know, uh, you're not as absorbent when you're older sometimes. But you know, when you're young, well, it you're sounds sponge. like you are though. I mean, you're you're finding ways to to explore new things. Hopefully, and, yeah, yeah, and it's sure, purposeful. Sure. Yeah, and for yeah. sure, that's an intent. You know, and mm-hmm. that's uh, trying to make time for and and still wanting to shed every day if I have the time to practice, you know, but like, like, um, Auburn was more of a, it was more like legit and traditional. So drum set, I had to pursue a lot on my own. There was like, like I say, there was the jazz bands and ensembles and combos and stuff like that. But you had like one summer, I just went over and took went to the Sounds of Summer camp at North Texas because I knew they had the drum set stuff going on. So and so if I wanted to hear what hear, hear him and and study you know take some lesson with him and it was mm-hmm. steve houghton ed sof um bob bright how uh bright mm-hmm. whatever from uh he was from ohio university at the time i think capital university capital, i'm sorry yeah. he was my teacher sorry oh was he okay yep. yeah he yep. was man awesome and uh oh shoot there was one other guy but he was there and and the camp was amazing actually rich redmond was a student at the time and we met we didn't know each oh, other yeah. but we kind of yeah. reconnected yeah 10 years later in nashville mm-hmm. but uh but he was actually um, in and out of that camp because he was a student at that the time. workshop. Of course, the, the um, they had that in Columbus as well, and itself would come up. And, okay, and, so um, you've done the same, yeah. Well, I, I I couldn't afford to do it. Actually, I was working for Bob, and so I I would participate. Uh, I would you know hang out at the classes and participate in the classes as awesome. as. You know, that was my summer program was to work for Bob. And be and, a part of that. And be a part of it, yeah, as much as I could. And uh, That's awesome. So, yeah, that was a, that was So much cool information thing. imparted there. I mean, I, know, I, I still know. have the, the books that, I mean, the not even the books, the um, handouts. Just the stuff. handouts. Right, just right. As, I still have them. They're yellowing and they're, <laughs> you know, they're like fraying at the edges. But, but still relevant. So relevant and so yeah. valuable and I listened to uh, somebody posted a podcast of Ed Sof recently, and I was like, "Man, what a dude! That guy can play, and yeah, 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 and yeah. Um, what a teacher!" And to me, like, uh, I do have a heart for teaching, and to me, like, that's something that I I do as well, and and, and is important to me. But to me, like, so are you teaching privately? I do now? private, uh, and, okay, and teach, uh, yeah, and uh, like, there's a out in Mount Juliet. There's like a rock zone, school of rock kind of situation. Oh, okay. So uh-huh. I do that, and I'll do privately at, at uh, Mount Juliet Christian Academy. I have a couple students there, and then um, uh, I have a couple other students just. So in how do general. you manage that with being on the road, or are you guys uh, back home? Uh, enough um, that you can do that well i can do a lot of it if for some reason there are some other teachers there if i need to sub uh mm-hmm. out a little bit and actually uh rick brothers has plugged in a little bit there and, oh, yeah, and okay. like he was there yeah, last week he covered some lessons for me and sure and uh and awesome drummer and great guy and he has a heart as well for for doing that and um so he's kind of plugged in there and uh so they understand that 
I'm here to play music and be a drummer, but also, so if for some reason, or if I have a session come up that I'm a, that sometimes takes precedence because that's, you know, that's why I'm here. If I pass on that, I might not get that call next time. And, um, and I can make up a lesson, you know, but you can't like make up session necessarily. I can call that student's parents and say, Hey, can we work this out? Can we do this tomorrow? Or I'll have a sub for the There's lesson a and bit stuff. Of flexibility. There is a little bit. And if I'm on the road, they're totally cool and flexible. Uh, but again, every student's important to me and I want to make sure that they're getting something out of it. And some students, Johnny, he's talking to you right now. You hear me practice the parallel. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. So it's like, um, you know, and every kid's different. Some of them take to it quickly and some of them don't. And some of them come and go. And, you know, some kids you might be babysitting, but some kids, you're finding a real investment, you know, and, yeah. and again, you pour into every kid and you see what happens or every not kid, but you know, some yeah. of them are older or right, whatever. Right. But, uh, uh, so to me, that's a, that's important. I mean, that's passing along. And to me, what Ed so did for me and those guys and Bob and Steve was to provide inspiration, vocabulary. And to me, that's what, like, I want to, like when I sort of compare it, my metaphor is when we're, first when we're growing up Mm -hmm. we don't have a lot of words we don't have an expanded vocabulary Mm -hmm. you know we're probably not very interesting conversationalists Mm -hmm. uh, you know Mm -hmm. as we're young people because we don't have we don't have all the words you know Mm -hmm. and so uh as we grow as we in english class there's vocabulary test every week starting in first grade probably you know and and all the way through whatever through senior you know or so to me the more you can say and the more interesting, you don't have to use all these big words all the time. But if you need a word, you have it in your bag. If you need, yep. so to say, comparing, you know, see where I'm going. So, you know, basically it, the more vocabulary, the more that you can say on your instrument and that my instrument being drums. So the more that I can say, I'm able to, I don't have to use these words all the time, but when it, the time is appropriate or right. if I'm not the situ- right word for the right time, I've got the right expresses word. expresses what you're thinking and feeling. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And you want to be able to have that vocabulary. And to me, that's what it's about. It's, we do have that vocabulary and no, I can't use every, every word I know on Billy's gig and I wouldn't, and it wouldn't be right. And I, and I would be the wrong drummer if I chose to do that. And sure. it's having taste and it's having choice and making the, the mature choice and I haven't always made those. Well, and I mean, going back, I mean, so the time that you're spending, uh, outside of Billy's gig and, and doing other gigs and working with other people that kind of helps regulate it, it scratches that itch and lets you do those things. It does. Yeah. It does. You know, and, and so that when you're on Billy's gig, you can concentrate on, on doing yeah. the appropriate job. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. And otherwise, yeah, I can, I mean, I can show these things, kids, things that'll get them fired, you know, but <laughs> you know, you don't want to do those all the time, but you know, you pick and choose. Like when I first moved to town, I, I studied with George Lawrence and he's an awesome dude and was a great person to like, uh, and he used that line with me. He said, here, man, I'm gonna show you some things that'll get you fired, but they're fun, you know, and it was just stuff to shed on and, yeah. and stuff that expanded you and made like, um, uh, uh, like Zara says in his book, The Big Gig, he says, you know, we want to be a Maserati where we can top out at 250, but mm-hmm. we probably cruise around at 30 or 40. Mm-hmm. I can gun the energy and goose it a little bit if I need to go 40, 50. If I need to go 100, I'm there. Yeah. But if I don't have the headroom capacity to go there, then 30 is my top. Yeah. And I'm peaking out at 30, you know, or 40 miles per hour. And that's sort of his metaphor. And I, and I totally get it. And it's like, okay. And, um, 
And it's, and it's similar to like, you know, George showing me and like Seth Roush at the time and Justin Amaral, we were all studying, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah. like I got George's name out of a modern drummer. Cause I didn't, I really didn't know anybody in Nashville. I'm like, I just needed, I want him to tell me you don't need to move here or, or come on, man, there's room for you here. You know, that sort of thing and evaluate yeah. me and, uh, you know, and, and he was, um, very uh, gracious and just a nice dude and hooked me up with gigs and the drummer circle and introduced me around. And, and for me, I I couldn't really pay George back, but I've always tried to pay that forward to any other person that I can. And if I can't, whatever I, you know, maybe I can't do something for them, but I can hopefully push them in the right direction or tell them, you know, tell them a drummer that can't help them out or, you know, anything I can do. I want to do that. I mean, like I say, there's, there's no harm in that. It's not hurting me to help another drummer, you know, or help a new guy to town. What does that hurt? You know, it doesn't, it, it's, I think that's a big part of George's motivation is that he knows that he's, he's entrusting, you know, people that he's, his life he's impacted and say, pay it forward because I, you know, it's, I've learned from uh, other people and it's my job to pay it forward and, and, and we're going to do the same thing. We're going to do and the same. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's great. It's great. I'm uh, working on his, podcast right now Man, it's coming sure out. that's going to be massive yeah, yeah. yeah it's he's it's such a knowledgeable fun. dude and he taught me so many things and uh and just like he gave me my basically when i moved here in january two, in, in 2000 my first actual gig was february 14th i remember i had a valentine's gig and whatever mm-hmm. but uh it was even like at a local church but it was some kind of ball dance you know ballroom dance yeah. type thing but uh but george actually hooked me up with the first regular steady gigs and and like I showed up to where he was playing down near Columbia, down near hum- Henry Horton State Park, a place called Bud's, and you'd have to bring an extra shirt to change on the way home because you just I just smelled like uh, bar and smoke as I left that place. <laughs> so I'd bring a cha- you know change a shirt. He he told me to do that, and, and uh, one night I came down there and I and he on a break he let me sit in and then on a break he said hey man he shook my hand and said I'm out pack my drums up and it's your gig. And I was like, what? What? <laughs> I mean, he just, you know, and I was like, all right, wow, dude. You know, and he literally, that's what happened. In the middle of the gig? I mean, you know, he, and that's what he, I'm, I guess that's what he intended to do. And he, I mean, he was, you know, it was, uh, this is a roadhouse down in Columbia, but it was, you know, and it was, but it was a gig. And it sure, was like, sure. I was l- so just glad to have an, a gig in, in, in not even really Nashville, but in this Nashville area, you know, and, and it was with Nashville players and stuff, but literally he just said, man, yeah, pack my drums up, bring them to me next week. And, and, uh, and man, wow. enjoy the gig. And, 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 and like cool, I did that man. gig I for a while. Been, yeah. was, wow. Who does that? Right. Right. <laughs> who does that? I mean, and he did, and it was, uh, and he turned me on to another gig and I, up in Madison playing Smeraldos. I don't know if you ever played there, uh-uh. but, uh, no, but I played there and it was kind of a, a cutting my Nashville teeth. Both of those gigs were, you know, cause yeah. I didn't move to town knowing country. And so you really have to learn if, and I was like, okay, I do want to trial by fire. I do want to learn these things. Yeah. And yeah, I would seriously, um, it, uh, it, there was a, the guy in Madison where I was playing, uh, was a guy named Donnie Elam. And, uh, so a good dude he knew every song ever and i didn't know any song and so i had literally a notebook there and he would turn around and you know he sound I, he was a nice guy but he could sound you know in the middle of a song rim shot ride symbol <laughs> and i'm like uh, oh my okay uh, you know and yeah, yeah, yeah. quickly switch into the ride symbol although right, right, you know it. it sounded horrible but uh you know and he's like um but after the, i mean i played with him one set and he asked me to 
to be their drummer. So, but he, but still, he's gonna like, you know, he was gonna tell me how the song's supposed to go. So that's not the kick pattern, you know. But I would write down the song, you know. And there's like, uh, but if you knew you were gonna, you were gonna go back. To your homework or took direction and, and, and made the song feel right, then yeah. Yeah, he knew next time I was gonna do it and literally I, I wrote down the songs that he was that I didn't know. I went to Tower Records and I was three three cassettes for ten bucks at the time and I bought them and I and I made my notebooks and yep. you know, and John Root uh Root he said was the way he would say it. I say Root. <laughs> but you know John. Uh yeah. so he was one of the first drummers met in the town. We just call him Groot. Groot. Yeah. <laughs> J Root. Yeah. Um but he's awesome man and, and he's always been a, a a good good guy to me always and, and yeah. been a, a yeah. friend, you know, for years and stuff. And um but he was one of the first guys I met. But one of the things that he he did is he told me I have a notebook that's an alphabetical order of all the tunes of right. all the country tunes. And it wasn't every country tune ever, but, and that's what I did. So I bought like a couple of binders and I started making my, my alphabetical chart, you know? So if I got mm-hmm. called to do a gig or I was playing these country gigs or went down to Broadway, uh, I had my book and I could, and I wouldn't get stumped as much, you know? And then, right, exactly. and really once you've taken the time to listen and chart a song and make, yeah, notes, you almost know you it. Don't really, done. You know, it. you don't really need the but chart. If anymore. you don't touch that song for a while and somebody calls it for the first time, it's in a there. long time. Yeah, you can look, or at least you can you can kind of see tops and tails. You see where it is and what the tempo is, and like, okay, I got it. I got exactly. It, I got you, it. And you don't have to, you know, no face on the chart kind of situation. Yeah, it's not going blind, and it's not. Uh, yeah, and you and if there's some rhythmic figures that are in there that uh, unique to the song, but and then you yeah, it's all right, right there. You're going to catch you. the important parts for yeah, sure. To me, and that was that was important. So I still have those notebooks, and I tell I guys coming to town, do that. I know, man. I've got you just, do it too. Just a. Mm. massive folder that, of uh, chart writing that I it was just an amalgam of, of um, big band and uh, uh-huh. traditional uh, I guess classical percussion uh, writing and then picked up different uh, techniques from Steve Eby about you know writing oh, on a 4x8 okay. uh, card uh, yeah you know, okay Rich he, Redmond did that too he, yeah, he was yeah. big on index cards I like that right too. right and yeah. then I got the three hole punch with the the. I don't use it as much these days because I'm I'm not working with as many different different people. But at the same time, I know I've got it and I've got all that stuff in al- alphabetical order. And if somebody calls me for something, I can go back and find those charts. <laughs> exactly like if artist X calls you or songwriter Y calls you, I have their notebook in a little file yes. cabinet, and I can and even if it's been two years, I could play that gig tonight, and as well as you could, you know. Oh, oh just, you know what? You I know, you know what I'm talking about. I had a. Uh, a situation where uh, the drummer could not make with an artist that I had worked with and had charted things out, and uh, the drummer they were using uh, could not make it for the rehearsal, and so mm. the artist called me uh, three hours before the rehearsal wow. and said, "Are you in town?" I, no I'm time like, yes. to chart. Yeah. Yes, I am in town. Well, can you mm. be the drummer for this rehearsal? And I, I just walked in with my charts and and and. Just you know, sight read. So you did have time to make charts, or that was no, no, no. I had my charts written from from oh. working with them before. I got you. Okay, yeah. yeah. So I already you, know, you went in and, and nailed. Yeah, it. I wasn't available for the gig, but I was available for the for the re- yeah, rehearsal. Okay, so I they had you. another. She had like uh, you know three or four different drummers that she would use. Okay, um, but uh, but those, make, yeah, invaluable chart books. Yes, it it worked out. Um, but um, so can we make the connection from? Uh, you were teaching in Auburn? No, no, you were teaching in Birmingham? Uh, yeah, yeah, I was teaching in Birmingham. Um, and, and and kind of what led to moving moving here? Well, I always, like, always 
drum set. I want to be a drum set player, you know, and, and growing up, I, my parents were not, my mom sang in church choir and my, and they were music lovers and music fans. And they would take us to DCI shows and, and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. the first record they, they gave me like time out, you know, by Brubeck. And oh, I was yeah, like, oh, awesome, one. man. You know, I yeah. thought I could totally grasp it, but it was awesome. And, yeah. uh, love that record, uh, with Morello and take five and all that stuff. Yeah. But, uh, so, um, but they, they didn't know how necessarily how a career worked in music or to prepare me for that. And yeah, to, who, if does? I, yeah, who does, <laughs> yeah, but you know, some people are lucky or not lucky. I would never trade my parents and, and I'm so glad, you know, but some people are in the situation where their parents are already in the music industry or their dad's a famous drummer or sure, bass player. Sure, so sure. the path is different a little bit because they're already, they already know what's up with all that. You know I mean? They already right. know the score and they know kind of how things work in the music industry. Even You though can skip a few steps if you're, yeah, if your dad has some experience and can say. Yeah. And you've probably been hanging around that scene a lot longer than maybe the right. average person. But ever. most of us don't. Most of us are in the same position. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. my parents are totally supportive and, and we're glad, you know, they let me play drums and bang, you know, and all my life. And so, you know, totally thankful for that and those opportunities. And so when the time came, like, I was had my music degree and I was teaching, but also I was playing in some rock bands. And then uh, I kind of had my last year of teaching down there. I had it in my head. I'm moving to Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that year I, I got in like two local country bands in, in Birmingham just to start getting that, you know, because country wasn't a style that I'd played. Even though I'm from mm-hmm. Alabama, I didn't grow up on country music. I grew up on classic rock and Zeppelin and Hendrix and, yeah. and seriously all that stuff, you know, and, and then got into, you know, jazz and stuff later. But, uh, but I, and I knew some country songs, but really had never played it. And and so, it was the same way. Yeah. It was the same way in anticipation. I thought I got to start listening to this stuff. And I still didn't know what I was, I was I st- doing. I didn't know what I was getting into. Yeah. And, and, and there's such uh, subtleties and nuance to country that's like, it's not like other styles. And I wanted, and I didn't know that at first. And it took me a minute to get that. But like, uh, and then finally, I, like I said, I, I was teaching and, and I did, uh, teachings was, was great, but I just felt a pull. My life is, I'm a drum set player. That's what I want to do. And it's no slight on what I did as a band director. That was an awesome part of my life and there was awesome kids and stuff. But, um, a lot of those things just were not the passion that was in me was to play drums, play drum set, yeah. you know, whatever. Well, I think we get, we get there by different, different different ways we find out where our passion lies and sometimes it's a indirect route and if that was the case it still was important for you to spend the time doing that yeah i often think what if i'd moved here when i was 19 i don't think and and i don't want to have any regrets and i don't want to say i should have done that because i wasn't who i needed to be then and i wasn't ready for nashville maybe or i needed to all of what we go through makes you who you are and it kind of makes and that's also comes to who you are behind the drums and what right. life experiences have brought right, you to right, this place right, right. where do you what's the well that you draw from for inspiration or for yeah. motivation or for whatever and yeah. it's like those are the things that uh I was trying to figure out and 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 so I knew okay Nashville's the place you know and it's like New York LA Nashville those are the three big music cities mm-hmm. but Nashville's 3 hours away so I was thinking well I'll kind of move up there uh, I'll talk to this George guy and I'll see what's up there, you know, and, and see what happens. And, and then, so I would come up here and my sister was living here. Uh, she and her husband had, were kind of living actually not far, um, uh, kind of, uh, around, uh, McMurray 
you know, in uh, Nippers Corner area and stuff like that. So at the time they were living there. So I was able to kind of crash on there in an extra bedroom, you know, nice. whatever. And that was awesome. So that saved me, you know, a little, a little bit of hassle and made things a bit easier. And I was able to come and go and just do what I needed to do to kind of plug yeah, in. That's town. nice. But I would kind of come, I would, uh, come to Nashville for about a half week. And then I still had some accounts and work down in, back in Birmingham. A couple of guys I was still doing weekends gigs with. I was playing at a church down there. I was, um, so I might, I would go play that place buds yeah. uh, that George, you know, so I, that was down in Columbia, kind of down 65 towards Birmingham. So I would go play, play there Friday, Saturday night. I'd play there till I think it was like eight, nine to two thirty is the hours. Wow. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I think it paid like, and it, and it paid 40 bucks, $40. So to yeah. play <laughs> I know I was so happy. Uh, it was like, man, I, um, and I think, uh, and, and sometimes more because it was tips, but seriously, uh, I think that one did. No, maybe that one paid more like 75 and the other one, the one up in Madison paid 40 bucks and it was eight thirty to two. It was similar in long, crazy hours. I mean, yeah, so and I didn't do these gigs for way, way long time, but I did them for a minute, you know. And it was like right. I said, I wanted to squeeze out of them what I can. What right. can I glean from this? Yeah, yeah sure, sure. So, but so I would play there till two thirty. I pack up my drums, and then I would drive. It was closer to Birmingham, so I'd drive down. Maybe not sleep. I would play at a church. We were that church was doing like four services. It was a big church down in Hoover, Alabama. So I would play there. So you drove through the well? No, I would just drive at night. I'd get there about six thirty in the morning. Rehearsal started at seven at the church. So I would play there and then I would take a nap Sunday afternoon and either I would drive back to Nashville Sunday afternoon yeah. usually and then start working and then I might or I, um, uh, and then if I did have gigs down in Birmingham um, on a Friday or Saturday, I would go do those or whatever. And, and um, but yeah, I was trying to get away from like I kept hearing you got to be present to win. You need to if you're going to be in Nashville, you need to be yeah, in Nashville, yeah. and you don't need to be right. going back and forth. And that was good advice, and yeah. and it was true advice. I was sort of hanging on, and I still have a couple of uh, studio accounts down there, of course, and and I I want to keep those going. But but it, that first year at the end of the tail end of that year, and around November December, I was like I cut off pretty much all those ties in Birmingham yeah. not cut off the ties but just said hey I, I have to stop drumming it's time to commit it's time and to commit you're right right you're I gotta right. be here I gotta yeah. like I remember getting a call for for a session and I was driving to Birmingham and I was saying I'm going to Birmingham to do something and I realized I was going in the wrong direction you know like oh, wow. like literally I mean like okay it's good that I'm working down there, but if I want to be in Nashville, I do have to be here and I have to be present and I have yes. to be available and I can't. Okay. And for me to say no to that one particular session sort of said, you know what? I just missed that. And that was an opportunity. But I think that's relatable no matter what city you live in, no matter it, where you go. If, if for is. some reason, and, and I think that there are merits to being a big fish in a, uh, in a, in a small pond, uh, because there are, opportunities all over the place there are great players all over the place right mm -hmm. but as we know there are major music centers in this country um that uh if you want to get involved in that scene you have to let people know that you're committed and you're right. going to be there
I want to expand the teaching a little bit more. I'd love to get, uh, I've been talking to a couple of different parties in town that were just with some various collaborations on clinic type things and mm-hmm. uh, on various levels. And um, just because that's a, that's the thing that's growing and to, to give information and to try to give advice and to try to encourage um, young people and to give them valuable information, you know, and to have it not be about me, but, but to like, if I was 15 and wanting to have a career in music, there's a lot of gray areas. There's a lot of things that I don't, I would not have known about. And, and, and these 15 year olds today probably don't know about. And to me, like, uh, I say 15 year old, but I mean, anybody, you know, it's a young person wanted to move to a music city and uh, like the book, the big gig by Zara is a great book that addresses a lot of these topics. And, 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 to me, like that's something I would want to address as well. It's because you want to cover, there's so many, there's variables that we can control. And then there's a lot of variables that are out of our control. Mm -hmm. And so if we can, if every variable that I can control, I do. And, and that I make uh, anything that I can affect in a positive way towards making that career go forward or whatever, I'm going to try to do all those things and all the things that I can't I can't worry about those. I can't dwell on those or have or stress right. about the sure. things that are out of my hands, you know, sure. or like showing up to an audition and I wore the wrong color shirt. I don't know. Or, or I'm playing the record, but they wanted a guy to play, you know, just free or whatever he wanted, yeah. you know, or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. But, um, so to that end, um, I always want to basically try to, uh, try to move in that direction. And, and, um, I feel like teaching is a way to go. I want to, I want to play like, I feel like Billy has more things to accomplish. I feel like he has, uh, he's not peaked. I mean, I feel like with as much success and great things and all the things that he's enabled me to do as a player and, and himself and all these gigs, I feel like they're even better days ahead because of what's happening right now with, with him and Dan Huff and this new record. I really feel like, I mean, and, and we've gotten to play like Red Rocks and Hollywood Bowl and Letterman oh, and, and, and various shows, which are just amazing, you know, and things that I would just pro- would not have had the opportunity to do, you know. And right, so those right, things right. are like just like uh, bucket list things. And, and there's but there's bucket list things, you know, that uh, we haven't done. We've gotten to play in Mexico yeah. and Canada, but we, we're not playing in Europe. And, you know, all those country bands went over to Europe earlier this year. What an awesome Thank yeah, for them. Yeah, Great, yeah, yeah. you know, Luke and um, FGL and all these guys, you know, a uh, bunch of bands. So uh, what a great opportunity, you know. But but again, um, I look at our calendar and I see all these great shows and I see we've had the great fortune to be out with, you know, Kenny Chesney and Carrie Underwood in the past and Lady Annabellum and Sugarland and, and, and to see and to try to learn from these other camps and you can learn from every camp, something valuable, good or bad, so you know, good. or how, do, yeah. how do I want to be? How do I want to, as a person, as a drummer, you know, and you try to, you see the way the camp is, it's kind of how the top, you know, the leader, it comes down, you know? So, I mean, the way we are is we want to follow Billy's laid backness and his, you know, his sense of having everything together, but having camaraderie, you know, and you see other camps that are like, Sugarland was such a, a a friendly, real camp, you know, mm. that you just felt welcome and at home and having a conversation with people that they were not trying to get out of 
the room. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like it was real and it just felt good. And that, and when you see that, it's like, that's how I want our camp to be. That's how, you yeah, know, that's yeah, what we yeah. strive to be. And we will learn from those, some of those bigger camps, it's you know, a, it almost like it's a, it's a standard of living the standard of living. Yeah. It you is. know, in many ways, because uh, like I said, I mean, that, that time on stage is so valuable when you're sacrificing so much to be away from home. But if uh, the other things, you know, the, the time around that is also good, and that's that's invaluable. It mean, yeah, and it's like uh, then it means you're not just I'm. I enjoy getting home, but it's like if I hated my gig, I'd I would be so you know ready to go and all the time. But I'm not ready to go. I love my gig, and I'm so yeah, 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 happy yeah. and fortunate to be there. It's like. I enjoy my time. And, and when I met my wife, I've only been married, uh, uh, almost seven years. So, um, in about 13 days, I'll be, it'll be, uh, seven years. But so I kind of waited a little bit late, you know, but she knew what I was all about coming in. So we've never had those, like, you're not making a big change. She, you, she came right in the middle of it all. The road issues were not an issue. Yeah. It's like, she knows that part of the time I'm gone and, and she probably likes that, you know, I I don't know, but I'm sure she does. You know, she has her time. We said, you got to have a long time sometimes, but, but we try to, um, but that just, and then absence makes the heart grow fonder and you just, I'm so glad to be at home with wife and family and stuff when I'm home and you want to, soak those moments up and then um, there's times I'm home and my wife's like man when are you going out again yeah you know? <laughs> that's usually about uh, January for me uh-huh. <laughs> I've been home too much she's like this face. what time of year is it <laughs> when's Billy going out yeah <laughs> uh, Just last year I switched over to Tama drums mm-hmm. and uh, and they're amazing great company uh, and basically we were out on the west coast and I called some of the guys from 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 Tama and uh, had them come out to a show John Farquharson and Aaron Vishery are the two guys that uh, are out there and so Aaron came out to a show and then you know we we sort of you know had him out to the bus and just try to show him a good time and everything and uh, and it was fun everything went great he enjoyed it and he invited myself and uh, my drum tech uh, Gene Young the next day to the factory. So we went out there and, you know, he came and picked us up and at our hotel and we had a day off. And so we went out there and we banged around on a ton of drums. He showed us around and we met mm. people over there and nice. it was just very welcoming and, and just felt very warm. And, um, and we got to just, you know, geek out on all their drums. They had the new star line, which is mm. insane, you know, and just, he was just showing us all the new components of some of the hardware and, you know, we, you know, playing on a bell brass, playing on a lot of the Starphonic drums, you know, and it was just hopping from one drum set to the next for, for a couple of hours. And it was just wow, so much fun. fun. And we kind of developed, and then we went out to lunch and just kind of developed the relationship and it turned out to be an awesome thing. And I, and, um, and at the time, so we, we, we picked out the drum kit for this new season and they sent me a loaner because it had to be prepared and all that. So okay. now I have, I've got a, uh, for this year, I have a Star Classic Babinga that I'm taking out, and it's uh, I'm, I'm oh, I love it, man. It's the most beautiful kit I've ever had, and it's just. Uh, and they sent me, and while that one was being prepared, they sent me a loner just to take out, so that I would have was, uh, Tama uh, drums to represent. It was a uh, was a, the I think it was the birch uh, white uh, okay. marble finish, which I'd actually had that kit a few years ago, and and uh, it's, they, it's, they make beautiful all, kits, man. They really oh, do. Yeah. The quality is just top notch, and. And I'm using the uh, 10, 12, 14, 16. 
I had not used the 10, but I set it up and they sent it to me and, uh, and, uh, 24 kick and, um, the Babinga snare. And I just got a stainless, um, uh, snare yesterday. So I was, I was shedding on it. It came and you, it's such a joy. Still like a kid when the FedEx shows up, I'm running out to meet him. I see he's got a snare box in his hand, you know, the Starphonic, <laughs> and then it's out of the box in like two seconds and on the kit. So I've already gotten to shed a couple hours on that. But, um, but you know, so I, I was just real excited to have that kid and, and, uh, and having the 10, once I got it up there, I've, I've thrown that in on a couple of things, you know, and really I was using, not, not using that for a couple of years, but I'm like, okay. Right. And then I'll look over at the side and, uh, some of the guys are like, oh, I had to do the 10 on the fill, you know, <laughs> so I have to throw it. So some of the fills end up being a little longer just for fun, but, uh, but, just uh, add a beat to the end of the, Oh wait, no, you start. Yeah. yeah I just, yeah, I just make everything at seven, you know, and it's, it's cool. Good. But, uh, nice. like, um, but no, I'm loving those drums, man. Loving, uh, Tama drums. And, uh, also with Pisces cymbals, which sound awesome, loving them and, uh, pro Mark mm-hmm. and, uh, and Evans drum heads, which feel, you know, sound great. So, which are all under Dario now, you yeah, know, right. so that's mm-hmm. cool. And, yeah. um, and, uh, yeah, loving that. I've always loved, you know, pro Mark and everything. So that's what I grew up with and, yeah. and all that stuff. So, uh, to me, I'm just loving the way the drums sound and, uh, they're just loud and project and just feel great and, and they're dynamic. I mean, yeah. and I feel like we can, we, you know, hit lows and highs and peaks and everything. It's just really fun to play. I've had so much fun playing this year and we're just getting started. This came up with uh, Bryce Williams when he was talking about mm-hmm. teaching and how going back to the basics for him with students as you need to with beginners. He said, "I just found it helped me so much just to go back to the basics." Mm-hmm. and reinforce that foundation. And uh, I, I've th- just a little bit of teaching that I've done, I, I've, I've felt that as well. I mean, do you do you feel like that helps reinforce your I totally plan? agree. Yeah, and, and it does, it, it, because a lot of times, when's the last time, you know, I'll play on a pad every day or whatever, but, but sometimes going back to, like, just teaching somebody who's never held a drumstick stick grip, and then you're starting, like, teaching them basic strokes and wrist movement and, 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 uh, you know, where to hit on the drum, where to, that kind of thing. It sort of reminds you and and it forces you to actually speak the words to how do you say this? How do you teach Mm -hmm. this? And then you, Mm -hmm. because some of it's a little nebulous. It's a little bit like, do I believe what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, (laughs) I know. Yeah, exactly. And then you sort of, yeah, that didn't look, work. That how doesn't do I look to myself. <laughs> I, yeah. right there, that didn't make any sense, but or whatever. But but then you find okay. The next time I teach that, it's a little more fine tuned and dialed in, and, yeah. and I'm like, okay, so I want to be able to say this in a way that this student understands what I'm saying, and maybe sometimes I'm used to speaking in slang, but maybe maybe I need to just basic it out here, you know, meat and potatoes, and tell them. And and to me that brings me back to that basic place and and it's like okay you realize the core of technique or you realize the basic of double strokes or why yeah. that is important yeah. and you sort of you sort of take a look at what you're doing on there and you know and I don't 
play every rudiment every uh, you know i don't need yeah. to do that because i'm not going to play it in front of a judge for competition in yeah. high school or something but you know but some of them that's what they're doing so we do work on all the rooms and i i mean i, I did there needs to be a book of slang though i i, I, I drummies <laughs> drum, yeah 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 i think uh, you know mama data mama data uh, pat boone debbie boone i mean come on bucket of fish right right uh, yeah. meat and potatoes dude i mean really i, I it's uh, some sort of it's index. valuable i mean it's, it's good and and people, Son, what'd you learn today? What? I need some blickums here. Blickum, 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 you know, or whatever. Right, right. And, I mean, it's like, uh, and really you get in the, you'll go in the studio and you got guys that are trying to tell you how to play something, but they're not a drummer and they don't know drummies. Oh, but you, yeah, yeah, I mean, right. and we've all been in these situations and they're telling. I uh, love that. My favorite is, okay. can you play a role here? And they mean Phil. They mean Phil, but you're like, role? That yeah, would be yeah. weird. Yeah. That, no, 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 not on the toms, and I'm like, oh, uh, I mean, you like and you and and dig it, well, dig it, dig it, dig it, right, right, and you can't be like, no, that's not called. You can't. You would be like, okay, got it, sure, right, move yeah, on. yeah. They're yeah. paying you, so yeah, that's you don't right. want to make them feel bad, but yeah, it's okay. you have to. Uh, there's a bit of interpretation there, or like. Uh, and some people are more skilled at imparting what they want to you or telling you, this is exactly what I want. Or you have a demo to go off of that's play it just like that. But when I was younger and I'd be working with somebody and they wouldn't know how to, um, if they weren't telling me the right thing and I knew what they meant, I, just a part of me just wanted to be like, well, no, that's not really what it's called. It's like, no, that's, I mean, I, I was, I used to do that. And it's like, man, that's just jerky. It's just not cool. I well, I hear you. I mean, I know what you mean. Yeah, and it's like, well, you want it to be called the appropriate thing, but but a lot of these people just don't know, and they're not going to take the time. It's not in there. It's never going to. They're, they're not. Yeah, you're not doing them any service by correcting them. If anything, you're just kind of bringing the vibe down. Or they don't care know. what a flamadil is. No, I mean, it depends on who it is, and yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, if it sounds and feels great, then they're cool. And all your my drummer buddies, your drummer buddies, they yeah. know what you did, right, you know, right, or whatever. Right, right, right. right. Who is this Patty Flafla? I know. She's a good girl. <laughs> Uh, uh. She was the daughter of Father O'Grady. Exactly. <laughs> uh. We are looking at 30 seconds away from two hours. Wow. No kidding. We it chatted, just kind of flew by, man. You could talk drums for hours, days, we could, we weeks. Could. We could. If I wasn't home for just two days now, I would, I would do it. Yeah. But I've got two honeydew lists, one from my wife and one from my mother-in-law. Is this your only one this week? Yeah. This is got, my second one. This you had week. one yesterday. That's what you said. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. 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 Man, I noticed your podcast. Are, yeah, the lengthy man. That's awesome. You put a lot into this. They're 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 getting longer. Um, and I apologize uh, to the first few. I thought <laughs> I'm I'm gonna try and edit this and keep it short and sweet. And uh, and then, but I'm like, no, 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 no. You have the choice to fast forward and move around and and pick what you want and and or listen. Or listen to part of one and then listen to the next part another time, you know. So I think that um, I'm doing s uh, more selective editing just to kind of like keep keep the flow going. Sure. But, um, again, to guys like David and Nick and Bryce and some of these guys, we may have to do, um, uh, uh, you know, do some extra like, part two or, 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 part two sequel, or the sequel or um or unedited uh stuff um pull out some outtakes um but uh, yeah some 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 bad words or whatever right. figure it out but man thanks uh so much for driving to meet me here at my place and uh taking the time to share your story and, and what's going on with you man because it's 
It's important stuff. Well, thanks so much for having me. It's a great pleasure and honor just to be included in this. And just to me, it's so important just to get information out there. And, and I appreciate that you're doing this, man. I, oh, cool. I just I'm hope enjoying. To, I've enjoyed listening to that podcast and getting to know some of the drummers that I didn't know as well and their stories. And it's just it's awesome. Crazy. Man. Really, everybody has got something. Everybody else. has a unique story, and it's something that you can take away from from every story yeah so, yeah it's awesome truly great man so there's still more podcasts i've got to go back and listen to so that's my <laughs> homework <laughs> so thank you so much man thanks jamie i appreciate, appreciate it, man. you man sure. oh yeah good times